The following podcast contains strong language and adult themes and is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Behold the annals of pestilence. The stories you're about to hear are not real, though they contain elements of the truth. The tales herein might entertain you, cause you to smile, or perhaps cry, or something else entirely. Because this anthology of narratives, some of them connected, others less so, acts as a door to another realm. You are about to board an interdimensional cruise ship en route to comedy, tragedy, and unspeakable cosmic horror. This one-way journey is powered by existential dread and nervous laughter. Once boarded, there is no turning back. The stories you are about to hear are an infection, a narrative Contagion, the word virus. versus the lizard people punk rock versus the lizard people is currently available in its unabridged entirety as a novel by joshua s porter order the book today on amazon.com this story references songs available on playlists through apple music and spotify by searching punk rock versus the lizard people mod log six a strange message four days left on earth Let this be my exit music, Isaiah announced, pressing a finger to the screen of his NARS scroll and somehow activating my stereo. Don't be dramatic, I sighed. And how did you do that? Oh, the things you could know but won't, Danny Thomas, he answered, closing the scroll. Yeah, well, best of luck gathering troops to overthrow an advanced alien race and all of their subservient drones. I flicked him a lazy salute. Isaiah opened the attic window, and purging for a moment, turned to say, I'll be in the shed until dark, and then I will leave. Fine. My friends will be here any minute. Just stay out of trouble. Isaiah peered out the window and drew a deep breath. It was dusk, abnormally rainless under a dark, overcast sky, the backyard's grass encrusted with frost. I've opened the final historian letter on your computer. Isaiah said. My final request is this. Read it. So dramatic, I said. Will you just read the damn thing? Fine, yes, I'll read it. Jeez.
Becky was the first to show up to the attic that night. She'd come over directly from dance class, her hair drawn up in a ponytail on one side, dressed in a Wesley High pullover and matching shorts. Reading your dad's notebook again? She asked. I put the book down and changed the subject. Aren't you cold? I asked. I've been dancing for two hours, she answered without looking at me, plopping down on the long couch, grabbing the remote, and switching on the TV. It warms a girl up. I was at my tech desk, My chair turned to face Becky as I crunched loudly from a big bag of crunch tater chips and sipped obnoxiously from a small box of ecto-cooler high C, obviously trying to bother her. Really? she asked, cocking her head at me. Hey, what else do you have to drink? I lazily kicked open the mini-fridge at my feet, revealing several further cases of shrink-wrapped ecto-cooler and a six-pack of new Coke. While it's true that the average teenager cannot afford a mini-fridge, I was able to bypass that small technicality thanks to my mom, who, upon quitting her job, outright stole the fridge from her former office. Yes, my mom is sometimes punk rock. Diet Pepsi? She whined, pursing her full lips into complete pouty face. Nope, I said decisively. But New Coke is equally disgusting. Your taste buds will never know the difference. Becky groaned and turned back to face Jeopardy cranking up the volume to compete with the rain now beating down on the nearby window. I hate new Coke. Yeah, it's gross, I agreed, locking a can into Rob's claw-like grip. Rob, take this to Becky. Rob rolled in Becky's general direction, servos whirring loudly. No, Rob, Becky yelled, drawing her knee up and away as if Rob were a misbehaving dog. Becky doesn't want new Coke, no. Why do you refer to yourself in the third person when you talk to Rob? I asked, opening a can for myself. I don't know, Becky barked defensively, waving the little robot off. Does it understand personal pronouns? Not really, I shrugged. Why is Jeopardy on? They're rerunning Tuesday's ALF next, and I didn't get to see it yet. Oh, for God's sake, Becky. What? she griped. You didn't even have the TV on, Daniel, she said, emphasizing my name as if it validated her point. Rob, I yelled, his head slowly turning to face me. Tell Becky that Alf is lame. Becky, Rob's synthetic voice began. No, Rob, Becky yelled over him, his message still in progress. I don't want to hear it. Where is everyone? I asked. Becky grabbed a pack of shark bite fruit snacks from the table beside the couch and put her feet up. I'm sure they're coming. Everyone wants to know what happened after your little fiasco at school on Thursday. I rolled my eyes. It wasn't a fiasco, I said. It was a momentary lapse in judgment. What happened, Becky said, looking suddenly concerned. Like, what did they say? Did they call your mom? Yeah, I sighed. Oh my gosh, she leaned forward. Are you in big trouble? They aren't going to expel you, are they? No, no, sheesh, I assured her, waving my hands as if to calm her down. I just got suspended is all. That's all, Becky echoed sarcastically. Smooth move, ex-lax. If you keep this up, you won't be able to graduate this summer and you'll be stuck at Wesley High with Principal Clanton all over again. Becky, calm the hell down, I insisted. I didn't get expelled. They aren't holding me back. Becky could be so maternal. She got frustrated with us when she felt like we were unnecessarily reckless. 
She narrowed her eyes at me, popped another shark bite, and turned back to the TV. The attic's pull-down door suddenly collapsed, the creaking stairs unfolding, and in a moment, Connor appeared, his hair and weathered black jacket beaded with rain. Stepping over to my gadget table, Connor set a big key down on the table and said, Don't let me forget this. What is it? The key to the arcade. Just keep it in your pocket. Dude, he said, ignoring me and rubbing his damp hands together. It's heinous out there, seriously cold. Becky turned the attic's small space heater toward Connor without taking her eyes off the TV, the glow of the hot coils turning his face orange. Rob, Connor yelled, leaning down in front of the heater. Get Connor an ecto-cooler. Rob rolled noisily toward the mini-fridge. Why does everyone keep referring to themselves in the third person when they talk to the robot? I asked, crunching on a mouthful of potato chips. Coke and claw, Rob rolled clumsily past Becky, who drew her feet up as if the robot were a passing rat, and stopped just short of colliding with Connor's shin. Thanks, Rob, said Connor, popping the Coke's tab with a fizzy hiss. Becky, tell me you're not waiting on Alf. Shush, Becky said immediately without looking at him. Then, talking to Jeopardy, what is a sonnet? What is a sonnet? The Jeopardy contestant answered. That's correct, said an emotionless Alex Trebek. Becky looked down at Connor with raised eyebrows and sassy, pursed lips. Connor sucked his teeth and turned back to the heater. Is anyone else coming? I asked. Dude, you mean, is Emma coming? said Connor. What the hell? I protested. That's what you meant, Becky agreed, eyes still on the TV. Rob, I said, go pinch Becky. Rob rolled in Becky's general direction and she tucked her legs up again, barking at him. I have no clue what he planned on doing. I've never taught him to pinch anyone. The attic ladder dropped again and after a few loud steps, Paul appeared with Barrett and Jade right behind him. Why is Jeopardy on? Paul asked, plopping down on the couch beside Becky. Becky shushed him. Barrett was at the mini-fridge, staring as if he expected something new to appear. Well, great, he grunted. If I wanted a gross version of Coke or something a grade schooler packs in his lunch, I'd be all set. You don't like ecto-cooler? Jade fired back in shock. I'm an adult, Barrett said. Does the adult want some crunch taters? I asked, extending the bag to him. Barrett eyed the potato chip bag for a moment, squinting at the cartoon alligator in a cowboy hat. He raised his eyebrows and nodded thoughtfully. Yes, he finally said, taking the bag. Connor was over by the bed looking out the window. It's been raining for like a month, he said. Welcome to Portland, Paul called out. Connor sneered and echoed Paul's sarcastic quip in a mocking, marble-mouthed voice. Beside the bed... My discount Mr. Coffee Machine beeped loudly, and Rob instinctively rolled after it. There was some clanging, an audible spill or two, and Rob emerged from behind the bed with my Max Headroom mug, now full of piping hot Joe. How much of that crap do you drink in a day? Jade asked without disguising his disgust at the thought of someone drinking coffee, let alone multiple cups in a 24-hour period. Whatever feels right. I shrugged, taking the mug and patting Rob on the head before I joined the others on the couch. He's an adult, Barrett said, crunching the potato chips loudly as he moved toward the computer. 
I'm just going to check my NARS. The attic door dropped a fourth time, and with it, my stomach. This was either my mom, who never climbed up without asking, or it was Emma, and I didn't hear my mom's voice. Everyone seemed to be looking at me, so I tried my best to affect indifference, which probably looked jittery and nervous. Then, there was Emma. Her rain-misted hair and shoulders, her bright blue eyes and subtle smile. I'm certain I was staring. Sorry I'm late, Emma said, running to the couch to join the others. Did it start already? Did what start? Barrett asked, seemingly concerned. Becky ignored him and leaned forward, speaking over Paul and Barrett to Emma on the other end of the couch. Nope, any second now. As if on cue, the ALF theme began. A painfully lame, jazzy sitcom tune set to footage of the hairy puppet's point of view as he wanders around filming his adoptive family with a camcorder. White, Jade said, squinting at the TV. Elf is trying to film the mom in the shower? He's a pervert, said Paul, chewing a mouthful of fruit snacks. He's not a pervert, Becky snapped back, sounding wounded. It just occurred to me, Barrett said, pointing at the TV that Alf's nose and cheeks are shaped like a penis. And who did you say was a pervert, lame brain? Becky said. Can we possibly watch this without you guys interrupting a squillion times? I'm thinking about it like this, Jade said, as if no other conversations were happening. If Alf can stroll into the loo with a camcorder while the mum is nude, and she hardly seems annoyed or surprised, this can't be all that unusual. Alf knows what he's doing. Barrett agreed. Alf, I said, you dog. He's not a dog, Emma argued. He's an alien. Barrett put his face in his hands. Oh, for God's sake, this show is making us all dumber. He turned his chair to face the Atari ST monitor. The modem flashed its red lights from within the Excite Bike cartridge. The Atari's processor crunched loudly. A minute or two passed before Barrett spoke up, his voice serious. Danny, have you read this thing on your computer? Having forgotten about Isaiah's dramatic final request, I stepped toward the glowing monitor. There was the fourth and final post from the historian. Connor appeared over my shoulder and scared the hell out of me. What's all this? He asked, pointing at the monitor. I tried not to let on how frazzled I was. I don't know, some Nars wacko I stumbled upon earlier today. Jade was already making his way over. What's this about a wacko? He was asking, his eyes moving over the letter as soon as he could see the screen. Okay, look, everyone, I snapped. I'm sure it's nothing but some guy who posts a bunch of freaky essays about Emi conspiracy theories. The rest of the group was crowding around my computer now. Dude, Connor whispered. This is the kind of stuff that got Jim Henson locked up, I bet. Becky rolled her eyes at Connor, but then put her hand on my shoulder. I'm sure it's just some dweeb, but you may as well keep this kind of thing off your computer so you don't get in trouble for some lame reason. No one moved as we all read the final message in silence. The letter was a bunch of feverish rambling about the development of the internet and theories about addiction. There was mostly silence as the seven of us read, save the occasional, What the hell? Or, This is getting weirder. We seemed to arrive at the final line simultaneously when Barrett said, That doesn't seem good, just as I was thinking it.
So what? Emma asked, clearly shaken. It's just a prank. Someone is messing with Danny. Scroll back up, Paul said, skepticism in his voice as he squinted at the computer. What does this mean? Barrett asked. I shrugged. I don't like it, Emma said. I don't either, Becky agreed. I think you should report it to the NARS admins. I think it's rad, said Connor. Everyone turned to look at him. Dude, this is so punk rock. What if it's all true? Did you ever consider that? You'd be like Luke freaking Skywalker, man. Well, not exactly, Barrett interrupted. We all turned to look at him. He was silent for a moment, then said, In the message Leia sends via R2-D2, she asks for Obi-Wan's help, not Luke's. It was silent again. Everyone turned back to Connor. What I mean is that this could be awesome for you, Connor said. You could be leaving the moisture farm behind. You could be like Alex Rogan saying goodbye to the trailer park. You could be like Marty McFly gearing up for a late night rendezvous with Doc. Becky scrunched her nose. That doesn't sound right, she said to herself. If it is some prank, Paul spoke up, ever the voice of reason. It could look bad if you get caught with it. Why do we keep talking like we live in some insane police state? I asked. Urban legends about Jim Henson aside, it's not like people really get locked up for just reading anti-Emi posts on NARS. We all looked at each other, not knowing what we thought about any of it. We're all wigged out, I said, breaking the silence. We need to relax and not overthink it. I shut down the computer with everyone still gathered around it. The attic seemed quiet, except for the TV, where Alf was dressed in a red sweater, riding on a train with Willie. Just, you know, don't ignore it, Danny, Becky said, going back to the couch. No way, Connor agreed. I'm dying to know what that's all about. In a moment, only Emma remained by my side. She reached out and put a hand on my shoulder. You freaked? she asked. I looked up at her from where I sat, and there she stood, a sympathetic look in her big blue eyes. She was biting her pink lip. I'm cool, I said. It's just weird, that's all. Listen, Emma whispered, leaning in close to me. Do you want to talk later? I mean, when everyone isn't around? About the weird posts? About... She scanned the room to make sure no one was listening. About us? My stomach flipped. Oh, I managed to say, doing everything in my power to keep my voice from cracking. Oh, right, yeah, totally, right on. Right on? What the hell was I saying? It didn't seem to phase Emma. She smiled, squeezing my shoulder with a subtle nod before she went back to the couch. The channel had been changed over to ABC as Full House began the TGIF lineup. I rotated my chair to face the now-dormant Atari ST monitor. In the darkness of the monitor, I could see the lingering burn of the historian's final post as it slowly faded. Beyond it, my reflection.
In order to ensure proliferation of the word virus, you can support our efforts via patreon.com slash the word virus. Lure others to infection by sharing the word virus via social media on Twitter at the word virus and Instagram at spread the word virus and at the word 